this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Hebrews chapter 10, I want to jump into the word today. I believe God has given me a message for this house. And you know, I just have a sense, even in my spirit today, I don't know what you're waiting on God to do, but over and over again, I'm reminded that a waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. And maybe you're here today and like you're going through a tough season. You're in a valley. I've learned more often than not that many times God, he takes us from mountaintop to mountaintop. But in order to get to the mountaintop, you have to go through the valley. I just want to encourage you that not one moment of your life has to be wasted in following Jesus. That he can take the bad stuff. He can take the ugly stuff. He can take the broken stuff. And if you'll surrender it to him and if you'll trust him, even the painful process, he will bring about great purpose in your life. And I, I just have this word on my heart. I, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Tonight I'm going to be preaching a different message. I encourage you to come back. Everybody knows if you want to go to heaven, you have to go to at least two services on a Sunday. And so more services, bigger mansion. It's in one of the books of the Bible. Um, I'm kidding. I'm lying if you're new to church. Anyways, okay. But come back. Anyways, okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Uh, This is what the scripture says. It says in Hebrews, it says, Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light, when you stood your ground in great contest in the face of suffering? Sometimes, listen to this, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison And joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. Everyone say confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God. You will receive what he has promised. I want to try to zero in today on verse 35. On that idea of not throwing away your confidence. And I want to preach a message to you uh, entitled, Get Your Confidence Back. Today is a day for you to get your confidence back. I I believe the Lord has good plans for you. I believe the future is bright for you. But you got to get your confidence back. Would you look at your neighbor and say, get your confidence back? Okay, look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much. And say, you too, get your confidence back. We don't come from the biggest church in Miami, but we come from a loud and rowdy church. And so I don't know what you walked in here with today, but today this is your day to tap into the inner Pentecostal, wherever he or she is. You can shout back at the preacher. You can holler back. Amen. That's good. Preach your white boy. I don't care. But free chapel is righteous, but it's also ratchet. Okay. And we're going to have a little bit of fun day. Would you pray? Lord, we thank you so much that you brought us here. God, we sense that you're in this room. It's not a cool atmosphere. It's your presence. And today, Lord, we just believe that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So Lord, I pray that as I begin to open up my mouth, Lord, that your words would go forth. God, stir up this place. Build our faith. Encourage us. Give us the confidence to step into this week, to go into another week, to not give up, to continue to persevere. Lord, we want to see Jesus today. Help us to see him in a new way, in a fresh way. Give us a new revelation. We believe you can do this. We believe you will do this. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, all of God's people said. 
Come on, all of God's people said. Come on, free chapel. If you love Jesus, make a little bit of noise in this house. I wonder today, like, how valuable is confidence? Like, if you could put a price tag on confidence, what would you be willing to pay? Wouldn't that be great if you could just go to the store and aisle three, confidence? Like, that would be awesome, right? Hey, I'll Venmo you. Let me get some confidence. Like, like, like that would be awesome. <laughs> what I have learned over and over again, especially on the faith journey, is that if you're going to walk out your faith, and if you're ever going to step into the future that God has designed for you, you will need confidence to do so. And what's interesting about this idea of confidence is that you don't just need confidence in the big areas of your life. You actually need confidence in the small areas of your life. I don't just need it year to year. I need it day to day. Can I get a witness? I need it minute to minute. <laughs> like just think about the categories of your life. Your faith, it suffers if you don't have confidence. The scripture says that we're to boldly approach the throne room of God. Yet you will never boldly approach God if you lack confidence. Your leadership, I hope you know, everybody in this room, regardless of what your job is in this world, you are called to be a leader. A leader simply means that you have influence and every one of us have been given a measure of influence. How are you stewarding your influence? Yet to be a leader, being a leader is not a call to popularity. Being a leader is being willing to make unpopular decisions. Yet you will never make an unpopular decision if you lack confidence. How about your marriage or your relationships? Like if you don't have confidence... You will never be in a position that you feel like you are worthy to be loved. And if you're never worthy to be loved, you can't give that which you don't have. How about parenting? Oh, where's all the parents at? Come on, let's just extend our hands towards these parents right now. Like it takes confidence to raise these kids. Freaking kids. We got a confidence. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Rich, you have a one-year-old. Shut up. You don't know my pain, okay? (laughs) How about going to your job tomorrow? Like some of you are going back to a job tomorrow. It's not your dream job. It's not the place that you always hoped for. Yet listen to me. You will never step into your next season until you are able to put both of your feet down and declare, I am here for such a time as this. It is not a coincidence. It is providence. And you need confidence to go forward. Come on, somebody. Give God a shout of praise. You got to get your confidence back today. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to like try to be as open as I can today. It's so funny to me because like one moment I can be so confident and then the next moment I'm like, where did confidence go? Is she hiding? I call confidence a girl because we know that women are much more confident than men. Did, did I misplace it? You ever had this thought? Did I use it all up? Like how do I get my confidence back? A couple weeks ago, um, I was going to this, um, this party for my friends. I was out in the park. And I should clarify, the party, I don't know if you guys do this in Orange County, but it was a gender reveal party. Do you guys do this? Like, they're having a baby. and You ever notice now in 2019, there's like nine parties before the baby is even born? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, so we're going to discover, like, is it a boy or is it a girl? Which, awesome. And so... Um, we get to the park and I, I, I rock up with Don Cherie and I see some of my boys and they're out in the park and they're throwing the baseball with like the glove and the mitt, you know? 
And I don't know what it is, but right when I walked up, the first thing out of my mouth is I said, yo, I'm not throwing the baseball today. It's, it's been too long. That's what I said. Um, what I didn't say is uh, I'm not throwing the baseball today because I lack confidence. Like you don't really say that normally, you know, it's not like cool to say. Yet, let me give you some context. Um, I was once a great baseball player in the eighth grade. And when I moved to Miami, Florida in 1998 from Tacoma, Washington, and I went out for the baseball team, that day as I went out for tryouts, I discovered, oh my goodness, I am not a good baseball player. (laughs) Not only did I not measure up, everybody around me let me know that I was not good enough to play, and that was the day that I retired from baseball. (laughs) And so when I walked up to the scene, I simply made a statement, hey, it's been too long, I'm not throwing the ball today. But really, it was a cover-up excuse for the very fact that on the inside, I was afraid, I lacked the confidence, and so I just came up with a cover-up story. It's interesting because many of us, we do this in our everyday life. We come up with all sorts of reasons as to why we're not stepping into our future, as to why we're not living the life that God has called us to live. We say things like, I'm too old, I'm too young, I was born in the wrong area. We have all of these excuses, and you can keep saying them all you want, but down deep, the truth of the matter is, is you lack the confidence to step into the place that God has called you to be. So everyone's around and they're throwing the baseball and I'm just sitting there. You ever been there before? I'm just like, I'm upset, you know, like I'm angry. They're like, it's a boy. I was like, I don't care. I'm called to baseball, you know. I'm sitting there and they're throwing the baseball and they're catching the baseball and they're throwing the baseball and I'm sitting there like, it's a boy. I was like, shut up. And finally, I stood up. I said, give me a glove. This is important because at some point on your faith journey, you have to get sick and tired of watching everybody else around you step into their dreams. Friend, if they can step into their dreams, you can step into your dreams. Don't let other people's success make you bitter, but rather let it inspire you to make you better. You got to get your confidence back. I said, give me a glove. Give me a glove. I went out, grabbed a glove. I started throwing the baseball, started catching the baseball, started throwing the baseball, started catching the baseball. I was good. (laughs) Yet something happened the more and more I threw the baseball. The more and more I threw the baseball, I caught my confidence. Why? Because confidence, it never comes from talking about it. (laughs) Confidence always comes from simply doing it. Confidence doesn't come from thinking. Confidence comes from action. And the quickest, most practical, fundamental way to catch your confidence is that you have to ask yourself the question, what in life are you repeating? Because repetition creates your reputation. Whatever you repeat in life is what you become known for in life. A lot of us in this room, we don't like our reputation, but it's really, really simple. If you want to change your reputation, you have to change your repetition. If all you do is repeat gossip, guess what? You're known as the gossip train. If all you do is repeat drama, there she is, the drama queen. If all you do is repeat addiction, you're going to be known as an addict. So the question today is, what are you repeating? Because if you begin to repeat the right things, the more you do of the right thing, the more and more you become confident in stepping into what God has for you. Come on, somebody. You got to get your confidence back today. You got to get it back today.
Now, I think it's a good caveat statement because in church, we have this thing called selective hearing. And right now, we're all processing this word to fit our scenario and our circumstance. So let me just say this. Confidence doesn't trump skill. Like if I'm going in for open heart surgery, the doctor's like, whoa, it's going to be a good surgery. I'm confident. I'm like, yo, man, where'd you go to college? I did not, but I'm pumped. I'm like, not today, bro. No, no, no. No confidence. It, it, it doesn't trump skill, but I think it's just as valuable as skill. And that which we repeat is what's making us more and more confident in an area. Yet confidence, it doesn't just come from what we repeat. I think one of the most fundamental things about confidence is that, yes, confidence through repetition comes and it's vital. But I believe that perspective is paramount. And today, when I talk about perspective, really, on the most basic level, your confidence is constantly coming from the way that you view yourself and the way that you view other people. I want to try to take you through a little bit of an exercise for a moment. What happens to us in life is that we get trapped in different quadrants of life. Maybe you're here today and maybe what's going on in your life is that you have a high view of other people, but you have a low view of yourself. The result of a high view of other people and a low view of yourself, well, you become insecure. It's wild because even in a room full of faith that preaches the gospel week in and week out, it's wild that we can come into this space and we can be trapped in insecurity. That we can live our life with an inferiority complex. That we can believe that God can do big things in other people's lives, but we can never believe that God can do something big in our life. Listen to me loud and clear. Insecurity kills more dreams than failure ever will. People walk around at life and they act like they failed, but the reality is they never even tried. Don't allow yourself to be trapped in insecurity. Jesus did not die and resurrect so you could live an inferior life. You're not called to insecurity. You're called to live in confidence. Insecurity is one of the ugliest traits that you could ever carry. You can dress it up all you want. You can put all the makeup on it all you want. You can filter that sucker on the gram all day long. But at some point, if you don't deal with what's going on the inside of your perspective, it's going to eat you up. And insecurity is interesting because you can always spot it. You don't actually have to like see it. You hear it before you see it. Because insecurity is always marked with negative self-talk. Some of us in this room, we are doing this in our lives. Some of you in this room, the way that you talk to yourself, you would never even talk that way about your worst enemy. I can't, I won't, I'm stupid, I'm this, I'm that. Who gave you the right to talk to yourself that way? May I remind you today that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? May I remind you that every day of your life was written in his book before one of them came to be? You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people belonging to God. Yes, you were once in darkness, but baby, you've been called out of darkness, and now you are in his marvelous light. Can I get a witness today if you know who you are in Jesus? You don't have a right to talk to yourself that way. Some of you need to go back to what your mom told you back in the day. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, sounds like we had the same mom. Shh. 
you are a masterpiece. Like it's not, this is not like humanism or self-help talk. This is what the Bible freaking says. It's like, it says this. It literally says that we are God's workmanship. Another translation, we're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works. Not to sit and think about it, not to be on the sidelines, but to get into the game, to throw the ball and to step into the unknown where God will make himself known. Come on, somebody. Let me get a witness this afternoon. You got to get your confidence back. It's not just negative self-talk though. It's that it's that people that live insecure, they're always marked with a life of jealousy. And jealousy is the entrance into comparison and envy. It's funny because when you're insecure, you start hating people you don't even know. You start assuming stories that aren't true about them. You start thinking bad things about them. And what it really comes down to is that you want the life that they are living. But because you cannot step into it, you become a victim and you give away your responsibility. Some of you today, you're like, whoa, Rich, you are like condemning me. I am not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to confront you. Because you can't change that which you do not confront. Today, God has not called you to live insecure. He's called you to live confident. But maybe your perspective is not skewed in the sense that you have a low view of yourself and a high view of other people. Maybe it's a little bit different than that. Maybe what you're going through right now is that you have a low view of yourself And you have a low view of other people as well. We would call that cynical. And this to me is one of the saddest traits that shows up at times, even in the body of Christ. Because a cynical spirit will never do anything great. Because people who are trapped in cynicism spend more time talking about why it can't happen, why it won't happen for it to ever actually happen. Now, Oscar Wilde, he said it this way. He said, a cynic knows the price of everything, but the value of nothing. And and when you're trapped in cynicism, what it means is that you've lost your awe. You've lost your wonder. You've lost your ability to believe. People that are cynical, their native language is sarcasm. Because sarcasm is a way of being passive aggressive and deflecting that which is coming their way. Because scratch any cynic and what you'll actually find is a disappointed idealist. Because cynicism is a self-defense mechanism. Because what happened is somewhere on the journey, you stepped out in faith. But as you stepped out in faith, you had unmet expectations, which resulted in disappointment. And now you're living your life out of disappointment. So you got your hands up. And so anything that good that comes your way, you self-deflect it with sarcasm. You don't receive it because you could never receive it. Because you can't actually believe that the person who's sending it is valuable because you don't value yourself. But I'm telling you today, friend, you are not called to live in cynicism. You are called to get your confidence back. I sense the Holy Spirit breaking out in this place. Today, somebody's getting their confidence back. Somebody give God a shout in this room. You got to get it back. But maybe, maybe it's not low view of yourself and low view of other people. Maybe today you're trapped in this other quadrant. Maybe, I love this man so much over here. Can he please come back to Miami with me? He put sauce on any sermon right there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm feeling it too. Wow, that's good. Somebody write that down and take it back to Miami with us. I'm going to pay somebody to do that all sermon long. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's preaching to me now. Maybe your situation today is that you have a low view of other people. Here we go. 
but you have a high view of yourself. This is when we start to live a life of arrogance. (laughs) Shouldn't have to even be preached in church because literally arrogance is the antithesis of the gospel. It's like the exact opposite of everything that Jesus came to this earth to live and die for. Arrogance is this idea that somehow I am above, I am superior, I am better than those around me. Yet William Shakespeare, he said it this way. He said, arrogance is fragile material. Because it looks strong on the outside, but it always crumbles. The path of arrogance is always to one place. It's called destruction. Paul the Apostle, he was writing to the church in Corinth. And he says this, he says, knowledge, it puffs up, but love builds up. And the teaching was meant for those that knew all about God's word. Yet if God's word is not coupled with empathy and compassion, what will happen is, is the result will only be a blow up. We must couple all of our knowledge with love for those around us. If we're too big to serve, well then friend, we are too small to lead. We're not called to live arrogant lives. We're called to humility. The more and more I follow Jesus, it does not lead me to a place of pride and arrogance. But rather, the more and more I follow Jesus, my heart breaks and compassion explodes. And I strive for empathy with my fellow man. Jesus Christ himself said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Arrogance. Well, it's really just weakness in disguise. It's self-doubt. In camouflage. It looks good, but friend, it will break. No, you have not been called to live insecure. You have not been called to live cynical. And you have not been called to live arrogant. But rather, the last quadrant simply brings us to this place, which is we need to have a high view of ourself, but we must also couple that with a high view of other people. When I have a high view of myself and a high view of other people, the result is I walk in confidence. See, confidence is amazing because all of the other things, they all require advertising. But confidence, it speaks for itself. When you walk into the room, you don't have to speak up. You don't have to make a whole lot of noise, but rather you know exactly who you are in Jesus and your confidence will do the talking for you. Come on. Is there any confident Christians in the house today? You got to get your confidence back. Somebody give God a shout all over this room. As the worship team makes their way up here, you say, well, Rich, how do I fix my view of other people and how do I fix my view of myself? The only way you can fix your view of others and the only way you can fix your view of yourself is if you fix your view of God. Because when I have the right perspective of God, I will have the right perspective of myself and those around me. The truth of the matter is, is I don't know what you walked in here with today thinking about God. Maybe you're in this room and you think God is up in heaven and that he's mad at you and he's waiting for you to mess up. He's waiting for you to fall so that he can condemn you. But friend, nothing could be further from the truth. God is not mad at you, but rather he is madly in love with you. Scripture says, John three sixteen, maybe the most famous scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We love that verse, but we forget verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world. If God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner, but he wanted to save the world. Therefore he sent a savior. Anybody thankful for a savior today? And if you don't know whose you are, you'll never know who you are. You are not living your life for a title. You are not living your life for a position. Oh friend, you have the greatest title you could ever get. You're a child of God. You have an identity in him. You see, you can take my stuff. You can take my money. You can take my house. You can take my car. You can take my influence. You can take my friends. But as long as my identity is in Jesus, I can always rise to see another day. I'm getting my confidence back. You need to know who you are. It's not over. It's not over. You're a child of God. You don't need a position. You have a purpose. Your purpose does not dictate or shift based upon your position in life. See, I, I know who God is. And I know the gospel that Jesus Christ, he came and he laid his very life down that I might receive life. And yes, storms will come and yes, trials will happen. And yes, pain is always awaiting me. But I'm a child of God. But you know, it's wild. First John says that if we love the father, we must also love the kids. You see, as soon as I get a proper view of God, I can't help but get a proper view of everybody out here. It's like if I, if I brought my son Wyatt up here and then like afterwards you came up to me like, yo, Rich, yo, man, you my guy, man. That sermon, that was cool, bro. It spoke to me, man. But y'all, I'm not really down with your son. I would be like, homie, hold up, man. Like, I don't think I'm barely saved, you know, like because you can't separate me from my son. And so as soon as I get a revelation of who he is, I start to get a new revelation of who all of you are. And now my life starts to change for even when someone cuts me off on the road, I'm like spirit fingers in the name of Jesus. That's one of yours, Lord. I got, a, I got a new perspective of who you are. I got a new paradigm of who you are. I see you differently. I got a high view of you. I got a high view of me. The result is confidence. That's one big long introduction <laughs> to land at our verse. Because here today we have opened up the book of Hebrews. It's written by an unknown author. We don't know who the author is, but we know who the book was written to. It was written to converted Jews who have now decided to follow the way, to follow Jesus Christ. These are men and women who, who had followed the law for many, many years, but now they've encountered Jesus and they've heard the teaching of Jesus and they've left the old covenant and now they've signed up for the new covenant. They've stepped into grace and no longer is it about their works, but now it's simply about who they believed and who they've trusted in. Yet it wasn't popular to be a follower of Jesus. And so these people that this book is written to were being persecuted. When I say persecuted, there wasn't like bad blogs being written about them. But rather they were being stoned to death. And 
people were coming to their homes and stealing their stuff and they were being crucified. And what was happening was that men and women, they were starting to go back to the old way. They were saying, you know what? Maybe I should go back over here to where it was comfortable and where I was accepted. And I should go back to Judaism. I should go back to all of this stuff. And the writer is pleading with them. You can't go back. The whole premise of the book of Hebrews really could be summed up with this idea that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. See, back then it was Jesus plus the temple or Jesus plus angels or Jesus plus Moses. We think we're so different because today in America, maybe it's not those things, but maybe it's Jesus plus self-help or it's Jesus plus your works or it's Jesus plus a little bit of new age teaching. But I want to remind you the same thing that was written 2000 years ago. It is good news for you and I. All we have to rely on is the name of Jesus Christ. It is the good news of the gospel. It has the power to set the captives free. The gospel that Jesus Christ came, took everything that you deserve so that we could get everything he deserved. Contrary to what you believe, Jesus did not come to this earth to make bad people good. He came for a deeper reason. He came to make dead people alive in him. Anybody alive in this house today? Yet these men and women are tempted to go back. And, and look at what the writer says. He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in great contest in the face of suffering? I like that first line. Remember those earlier days? Some of you today, you just got to go back to the start. Some of you need to go back to when you first met Jesus. Some of you need to go back to the simple message of the gospel. Some of you just got to go right back to when you had your first encounter with God. What were you repeating back then? What were you doing effortlessly? What was the repetition of your life? Have you ever noticed that new Christians, they actually believe the whole Bible? Have you noticed this? Like there's something special about the start. Unfamiliar. Full of awe, full of wonder, amazed. I remember one time when I was in young adult ministry, this young man, he came to me at the, at the end of the service. He said, yo, Pastor Rich, can you pray for me, dog? I said, yeah, man, what's up? He said, yo, can you pray for my shadow? I said, pray for your shadow? What are you talking about? He's like, well, there's this girl at work and she don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. Although I've been trying to preach to her about Jesus, but she has cancer, yo. And so because she won't listen to my words, every day I come into work, I try to get my shadow on her. He said, I was reading in the New Testament that the apostles, when they walked through the city, that when their shadow landed on sick people, sick people got well. So I just figured, could you pray for my shadow? I said, maybe you should pray for me. <laughs> Remember those earlier days? Our faith suffers when we forget. This is why we come. This is like why we gather. 
It's not for entertainment. It's not for a show. It's to remind each other. It's to spur each other on. It's to provoke one another. God has been faithful. He has never failed you yet. And if he was faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. You're not giving up today. You got to get your confidence back. Remember, remember those earlier days? After you had received the light, when you stood your ground in great contest in the face of suffering, watch this. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Like, are you listening to the words? He's literally saying when people came into your house and robbed your television set and stole the clothes out of your closet, you just stood there and you said, yo, God is still good (laughs) because devil, you can steal a lot of things, but devil, you can't steal my joy. I know what I'm living for. Here he says it. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Don't throw away your confidence. You need it to get where you're going. I can just hear the writer. Because he doesn't say, hey, live insecure. You know, these men and women, they're living in a time when it wasn't popular to be a Christian. They're getting killed for being Christians. And he was saying to them, this is not an hour to live insecure. And 2,000 years later, here we are, Orange County, California. And I know there's people in this room today. And you're thinking to yourself, yo, it is so tiring. And I'm so fatigued trying to live for God in this secular world. But I want to remind you, this is not an hour. This is not a moment for you to live ashamed, for you to live afraid, for you to apologize who you are in Jesus. you got to walk in confidence. It doesn't say live cynical. I'm pleading with you today. I don't know what you're going through. But don't allow your heart to become jaded. Don't allow your heart to become hard. Don't lose the beauty of awe and wonder. Don't lose the ability to believe that God can do something in a moment. Don't allow your present situation to dictate your future destination. We serve a God who can show up suddenly and he can turn things around. You can't afford to live cynical. The writer says you can't throw away your confidence can even hear the writers say, yo, don't live arrogant. I know you're hurt and I know you're broken. And I know sometimes when you're on the fringe, it's easy to say, you know what? I'm going to exclude myself. I'm going to separate myself and I'm going to stand out here on the sidelines and I'm going to develop this attitude that, yeah, I'm praying for them, but I don't really love them. <laughs> and you can just hear the writers saying, no, we have been called to a counterculture gospel to go deeper than that. We are called to love our enemies. We're called to serve those who persecute us. We're called to forgive those that bring about persecution. Don't throw away your confidence. Today, you got to get your confidence back. And the writer, he says it this way. He says, if you will persevere, you will receive what was promised to you. And I just had this line 
in my spirit this week. And I just felt like some of you need to write this down today. Some of you need this, not for tomorrow, but you need it for Thursday. You need it for Wednesday when your boss is in your ear and you're like, I'm, I'm about, I've had it. I wrote it down this way in my journal. God's promises are always worth your perseverance. God's promises are always worth your perseverance. I know you can't see it right now. I know it's scary right now. I know it's hurting right now. I know you want to give up today. I know you want to throw in the towel today, but I'm telling you your perseverance, it will take you to God's promises and his promises are exceedingly and immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. This is not an hour to give up. This is not a moment to quit. There is more life in front of you. Don't give up now. You got to get your confidence back. Paul, the apostle, he writes to the church in Philippi. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You say, Rich, I'm going through it, man. I feel like giving up. I want to remind you today that if God has called you to it, his grace will get you through it. All you got to do is persevere. All you got to do is resolve in your spirit. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. I wonder if anybody in this house is willing to get back up today because God has a promise for your life. I am confident of this, that he who began it, listen, if God started it, God will finish it. He's the author, perfecter, and finisher of your faith. Get your confidence back today. Persevere and you will receive the promise. Come on, somebody. If you believe it, give God a shout of praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 